Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Hope you had a lovely bank holiday weekend. I have to say one thing. I'll never forget the rain yesterday afternoon. I was out in my little tunnel and it was bucking down. I couldn't get from the tunnel to the back door, folks. I'm not joking you. And that's only a few yards away. Wasn't it something else? But still, it cleared up for the tricker, treaters and the fireworks people as well. Anyway, Halloween behind us and Christmas in focus. Now, it is the 1st of November, All Saints Day. And as is my want, each 1st of the month I read my little saying from my calendar and it says this today for the month ahead if we really believe we are children of God should we not call home more often I think that's a lovely little saying just to keep with us for the month ahead welcome to the show and I am about to say a huge welcome to a very good friend of ours because you see you know Blackstone Motors Blackstone Motors are our show sponsors and we really appreciate them and they've been with us from time to time on late lunch talking about of course cars because they are main Renault dealers and more besides and one of its co-owners is Donal Waters and he's here with me today He's not going to talk about cars, I can tell you. Donald, welcome back to the hi, show. Hi, Jay. Can you say it's uh, it's great to be here? And, uh, you know, um, just I had a bit of a... Uh, kind of something happened to me on the 1st of, uh, of, of Jul- uh, July that changed my life. And probably um, I had a... Um, I'll start where, where basically I went to the gym. It was a normal day. Um, up, up, up early. Um, I did a class. I came home. I had a shower. And um, just didn't feel okay. And uh, so then I felt a bit nauseous, um, went to the bathroom, tried to get sick, but couldn't. My wife, my wife thought it was uh, COVID, you know, uh, COVID. Uh, so I did a test, I came back clear. Then I had an awful pain. I remember closing my eyes, Jerry, and you ever have pain, you close your eyes, it goes away. This pain actually wasn't going away whatsoever. It was getting worse and worse and worse. And I just felt something was wrong. I rang my doctor. And he, um, he he returned the phone call. Uh, and we were in there probably in the next 45 minutes or so at that. He took one look at me. He went to, I'll always remember, just went to a phone and picked up the phone. And he didn't speak. He just said, I need an ambulance here. This is Dr. X. And uh, within a couple of minutes, I could hear the sounds of an ambulance. Now, normally when you hear a sound of an ambulance, you know it's not for you, it's going to pass or so like that, you get me, you know? But it was getting louder and louder, uh, so I knew something was up here. Um, they, the paramedics team, which were brilliant, they they uh, they basically looked at me, they knew straight away. They put me to, to the ambulance and it was a, a cardiac um, ambulance, so I was having a, a cardiac arrest, a heart attack. I didn't notice at the time. Basically, uh, they put two patches on me uh, and the technology that we have at the moment, these two patches were actually sending uh, my my heart condition to the Matter Hospital and they could actually see exactly what type of uh, heart attack I was having. Then, uh, what, I did, what I know now, uh, what I didn't know then was I was having what's called a Widowmaker. So it's a, a massive heart attack. It's 100% blockage. And we had 90 minutes to get to the Matter Hospital. So uh, 
we we got into the hospital and uh, the paramedics team were great. He turned around to me and he said, basically, we're going to stop on the motorway and one of our colleagues is going to join us. So did you ever see these cars? Like, sorry, I'm a car, a car person and they're, they're ambulances, but you'd say, God, I wouldn't want to be sick and going on one of them because like, where, where would you lie down or so like that? But these are cardiac specialists. So what happened then was a cardiac, we pulled into the motorway and uh, one of these cars came over and parked, parked, parked behind us. And the gentleman that was in the back swapped with the driver of the other car um, and uh, he got into the vehicle and we proceeded. There I got an injection of morphine uh, uh, for the pain and a spray. I'll always remember him saying, don't fall asleep. Stay with me, stay with me. We're nearly there, we're nearly there. So at the corner of my eye, I looked and I could see basically just outside of the, of, of the ambulance, you know, we were at Dublin Airport, we were at Drumcondra and slowly and surely, you know, we were getting to the Matter Hospital. Then we got to the Matter Hospital and I always remember the beeping noise of the ambulance and reversing uh, reversed up to the doors and I'll always remember there's a lady she was in her scrubs and she's waiting there for me you know and uh, yeah so 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 we got out uh, from, from the ambulance uh, so it uh, rolled out and we went to the seventh floor we went up to the uh, to an emergency theatre there was I don't know about seven or eight people there um, all waiting you know uh, yeah, I was scared. Um, so then uh, what happened then was, uh, listen, I was on the operating table for an hour. Uh, I got a stint put in. And later, uh, I just always remember that the, the, cardio, uh, the, the cardiologist uh, saying to me, I was so, so lucky that the time frame that I had that I was a goner, you know. Um, a couple of days then we were in ICU and uh, f- four days from that, Basically, um, I was I, I was home recovering. Uh, I, I think the first few nights it was difficult. Uh, you go home, you have something like this, you're afraid to go to sleep because basically, will I wake up again? You know, listen, this happened again. Is this a dream? Did it really happen? And probably just, you know, w- w- when these things happen, you think they're going to happen to somebody else, not going to happen to you. I, I was fit, you know, I was going to the gym, um, you know, um, I think the gym saved my life because I, I was doing so much cardio there. Um, and when I said to my cardiologist, you know, on the first visit or so that, you know, is it hereditary? Do I have to get my kids checked here or so with that, you know? And it was just bad luck. And these things can happen. And I think, um, and, and I think we said it before that, if I was at work and this happened, the fact that I was home and this had happened you know, at home, you know, I, I did something about it. But I felt if, if, if I was at, at work, I would have just maybe gone through the pain or so like that. And, and there's several signs that were, were given that we take no notice of or so like that. Like if I said to you, if you had a pain in your jaw or so like that, like that is one of the signs of heart attack. Um, if you have uh, basically nausea or pain in your, your chest or so like that. And... I'll always remember that uh, our broadband went down and I'd have no problem, you know, spending 120 euros to actually get uh, an engineer out to actually, you know, fix the broadband, you know, for the Wi-Fi. But I would probably think twice about calling, going to a GP, spending 50 euros or whatever it is to get myself checked out. And sometimes you need to do that, you know. Um, but just sorry, no, no, no. You're grand. You've told your story so well. Like I'm just here mesmerised by what you're telling me that you have yeah. no, that you have such a recollection yeah. of of everything that happened. But you got home. Come back to that point. You you got home with a stent in. Yes, indeed. Um, but that wasn't the end of what you no, needed. No. Um, okay. Basically. Um, I never took a tablet in my life and uh, now I was on medication like I'm on 11 tablets a day now you know uh, my heart is severely damaged uh, basically um, every everybody has a, a fraction rate so you know uh, the pumping uh, pumping of a heart and it has a measure uh, a normal person is about 60% mine is doing half of that you know so I um, so it was severely damaged um, the, the pump rate or fraction rate is about 25 or so of that and we need to increase that because of the damage so so with that um, there's uh, there's medication I have to do and th- uh, with the medication they start you off on a low dose and then they bring it up to a higher because t- they need to make sure that your kidneys and stuff like that as well can actually cope with the medication so they need a small doses and then you know um, so quite regularly now I'm going uh, every two weeks that I go into the matter hospital they take bloods to increase that up um, I can only drink one and a half litres a day 
um, of any liquid of any liquid whatsoever for the simple reason because that's all my heart can actually pump around my body okay you know so that's difficult that's probably the worst part but these are all negatives but look at the positive you're alive you know I think you get to wake up every single morning uh, to see your kids hug your kids do stuff like trick or treating even if it's rain or not I know the bad rain and we're walking like that and we give out too much and stuff like that as well but God sometimes you have to remember listen you know life's for a living really at the end of the day and I think from from going beforehand to where I am and to look back where a few weeks prior to that I was too busy to give my own bloods at the doctor because it was rush, 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 rush. And now I'm saying I should have, I was, I, was, I, was, I was a fool. You're not our thing, you know. Mm. But, um, but then, then um, they gave me the medication. They increased the medication. I had to get what's called um, an implant. It's a, a pacemaker and defibrillator. So that's an event that if it does fail again, it'll give me a shock. So I'm kind of half bionic. I feel like you're a man. What's your man uh, from? Uh, I've got the Iron Man or one of these kind of guys, you know? <laughs> the you six know, million dollar man. Exactly, yeah. yeah but, but you showed us, don't I'll just tell listeners, you, you've yeah. been showing us here and I can see it there in your left shoulder, in your just below your left shoulder mm-hmm. on the front there you can see it so you have a pacemaker and, and defibrillator, defibrillator in your body now indeed yeah indeed so it's, this is a device it's probably the same size as a deck of cards mm. there's two there's two leads they actually go into the heart and this regulates I'm actually going into hospital on Friday where they actually link it up to a laptop and they can actually control the rhythm of your heart with this device it's kind of it's scary that you know we have this device uh, you know and that's that's there it's um, it's a precau- it's a precautionary of what's after happening mm. um, because um, I do have a couple of blood clots in my heart you know and they have to be careful at this moment in time that does that, that doesn't go into the brain and stuff like that yes. as well but 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 can I say that the system and you know from the paramedic team to you know uh, to everybody in the hospitals and stuff like that as well uh, there are unsung heroes here you know there are real you know uh, they don't wear capes but from a day to day from a day to day thing uh, you know they, they're just absolutely brilliant and uh, I, I can't thank them enough in the matter hospital and stuff like that you know for and of course the paramedic people I think it's only when you I'm probably getting to an age where I'm in Sniper Alley and, you know, we hear about these these things, you know, yes. happening to other people or so that it won't happen to me. And, you know, it's only a matter of time, you, you know, until something will happen to you or, you know, and just enjoy yourself. Enjoy because because uh, sometimes mentally, you know, it, it can be tough on you. Like, why did it happen to me? Why is this? And, you know, all these questions. But I think you need to turn it around and be positive of, uh, you, you know, exactly, you know. Which you are, Donald. Did you mind me asking, what age are you? I'm 49. So uh, 49, 1st of July. So it's exactly four months yeah, today, today, yeah, today since this happened to yeah. you. And just to take listeners back who mightn't be familiar, and a lot yeah. are, you were one of our participants on I Lose was, Weight and was, Feel yeah. Great here. And you did fantastic. And you kept that up when that programme y- finished, didn't you? Y- yes, I did. Now, COVID now did, you know, did yes. did, yeah, did but and and I want to thank the show as well because when they did that because now my dietary now in terms of the diet you know because because my wife said God I wouldn't be able to do this I wouldn't be able to eat fish or I wouldn't eat veg or or fruit or so like that but I'm actually used to it because the the diet plan that we actually got is actually the same right. which which is great mm. and. It's all. I think we all know about these things. What we have to do. We, you need to exercise. Whether it be walking, you need to eat the right foods. Uh, I have to stay away from salt. And I was amazed the other day. There, I was out in a restaurant or saw that, and you know, we were with some people, and they're putting salt on food without even test, uh, you know, tasting it. It's just habit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and why is it always the good stuff is always the bad stuff for you? You know what I'm saying? You, you know why is it? You know, so, so we it's all, not fair. No, we you know? all ask ourselves you know, that. You know, but just, but here's the thing. Like yeah. you continue that program just prior to the first of July, you yeah. were still a gym bunny go yeah. to the gym regularly on the better diet etc yeah. did you feel anything coming no. up to the first of July nothing done no no I'm going to be honest with you I probably did excessive work in the gym I was there nine times a week you know what I think I was mm. there in the morning I was there in the afternoon um, you know um, um, okay some days twice uh, uh, twice a day but I I found it mentally good for my head to, you know, de-stress and stuff like that as well. No indication whatsoever. Um, I, I, you know, it was, uh, I loved getting up in the mornings. I loved doing it. I uh, it's, I actually miss it now. Uh, but um, you just, this is, uh, um, as I still say to myself, I, I probably when I look in the mirror, I still think I'm 21, I'm 40, I'm 49. <laughs> and I need to just not, not you know, not yes. do and overexert myself. Yeah, you know? and that, that look, yeah. that's, it's, it, you know, the years push on for all of us and we have to adjust accordingly. Yeah. 
come back to uh, uh, something you said there when you're in the ambulance and the other specialist yes. heart person came up in the other vehicle and they swapped yes. so you had somebody who was a real expert in the yes. field swapping yes. getting into the ambulance with you to take you on to the matter yeah. when you were on that ambulance journey yeah you rang Noel, your business partner. Uh, I did, I did. Sorry, I'm going to be emotional here now. Sorry. I did, yeah. And that was basically to look after my kids, you know? Because because um, when I was in the back of that ambulance, all I could see was a picture of my children. You know, sorry, I love my wife as well, don't get me wrong, yes. but I just saw a picture of them in their school uniform, just with their hands like this. Just And that's, I said, listen, because, you know... Um, Listen, Noel's, Noel is, um, listen, he's like my brother, you know, I think I see more of Noel than I do my wife, you know, I think that we, you know, and I, I rang Noel, I said, listen, please look after my kids just in the event, because listen, everybody needs a father figure to a certain degree, they need somebody like that. And uh, yeah, I, I rang him just to say goodbye, to be honest with you, you know, to, to, just to say. Did the, you think that? Yeah, I did. And I don't get all spiritual or, or like that, but. I did see the white light, you know, I, I there, there was there, it was saying, listen, stay here, it's nice and warm, you know, you know, when I closed my eyes, it was so difficult to, 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 to open my eyes, uh, you know, and it was just calling me, you know, just stay here, it's nice, and I don't I, know, just just the vision of my children or so that kept kept me going, you know. Um, I have to laugh um, that every now that you know I'm hedging my bets. I'm up to I, 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 I'm in church every Sunday up the front like an altar boy, you know that I think, you know. It's a, sorry, that's a, a joke, but you know. But yeah, um, no, I did ring now because mm. uh, listen, we've listen. It's been a journey the two of us have been on, you know, with Blackstone Motors and everything that we've done. And uh, yeah, so uh, you know, um, the reason why I didn't ring my wife because my wife was with me. Sorry, she she had dropped me to the hospital as I well. Understand you know. that. I understand that she was and, on the and, journey, and, but I, I, she's been brilliant as well. Isn't it great that you're here with us today? Yeah, and, yeah, and, and telling the story. Yeah, it's um, it is sometimes when I when I do talk that basically it's it's as if you're looking at a glass window, you know, to, to, you know, you know, it, it, it's a strange feeling that you, you know, that, you know, you've dodged this sniper alley here, you know, you're here to live the tale and so many unfortunately haven't, but uh, it, it's great. And every day, I, 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 every day I do wake up and I do thank, to thank that I am alive uh, for this second chance. You know, I really, really do. And it's, it, it's been, and I, I, I look at things differently. I'm more calmer. Nothing stresses me now. You know, you could tell, you know, and, um, you know, um, we do have a, we do now live in a, you know, that there's certain factors coming into the economy and stuff like that, which will, will be challenging to, 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 to everybody and stuff mm-hmm. like that as well. But I think, you know, we faced that before and, you know, and you need to enjoy yourself. And can I just say to you, I'm going to leave my number and if anybody has any questions or has gone through something like that and they need just to talk to somebody or so that, uh, you know, I won't try and sell them a car. You're not a try thing, you know, but but just if they want. No, it he because... <laughs> No, and, we won't. Just, sorry, sorry. And, 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 and you know you're telling me to stop talking, but uh, but don't don't rely on Google as well. Sorry, that's one thing as well. When you go into Google and ask a question, it will tell you what you want. Stick to the professionals and, you know, and get medical advice. Get checked. Yeah. If you have any doubts or pains yeah. or aches or anything, go to your GP. Indeed. Have the test done. Don't, yeah. don't hold back. No. And the other thing, I know you want to say this before you finish, I'll remind you the cardiac rehabilitation people. Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, so now I basically, I've started, sorry, yeah, I'd like to thank them, but uh, but I, I started at that now in January and Mary Brady in there who, um, I haven't met her yet, but for someone to, to call uh, and see how you are and say, listen, if you have any questions or if your wife has any questions or family members have any questions, they're there for you. And it, it's just, it's, they blow me away in terms of the help and support is there, you know? And it is there for everybody. Donal Waters, it's great to see you Thank in you, a different guise know, today. Yeah, yeah. And I wish you health and happiness. Thank you. I really do. You're a great fella and we're delighted for you. And thanks for telling your story on Late Lunch. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. Now, my next guest on the show, well, something bugging her. Well, that's a real pun I'm using to introduce her there because, you see, she is a creative entomologist and she says her mission is to reintroduce humans to their natural habitat through colourful encounters with bugs. Nessa Darcy, welcome to Late Lunch. 
Hi, Kerry. Thanks for having me on. I'm delighted you introduced me with a pun. I love puns. <laughs> well, I've been punning you all day in the promos and that as well. And they're wondering <laughs> what this is all about. When I say that, though, uh, through colourful encounters with bugs, you know yourself, people already are getting squeamish and they're saying, oh, no, you know what I'm talking about? I do, yeah. But it's amazing how how people grow to love bugs very quickly once they get a chance to see them up close and learn a little bit about them. Um, I've had kids in my workshops who have been absolutely revolted by insects at the beginning and by the end they've adopted insects and given them names and want to take them home. And, you know, when you talk about entomology, just for listeners, you're talking about things, aren't you? Like, when I mention the word spiders, they're definitely running. Spiders, worms, snails, centipede, leeches, things like that. Yeah, I mainly focus on insects, so the six-legged things. Yes. But I've certainly started expanding into some of those lately, like the 14-legged woodlice, which are fascinating creatures that I underestimated previously. And and will you reassure listeners today, there's nothing to be fearful of? That's true, yeah. Especially in Ireland, we've got nothing really that can kill us unless you have an allergy to it. Um, and uh, and they're really, really useful. I mean, we literally couldn't exist without, without insects keeping the world running, keeping all the natural processes going. Um, and even just in the house, spiders will help. Uh, get rid of other kinds of pests that, like such as flies that might make you sick. So mm. you, you do say that there's nothing to be fearful of, although, you know, the fear of spiders, Nessa. Well, I think that's yeah, there's a very deep-seated um, fear that we, I suppose, we had when we started to evolve into humans because we would have shared our living spaces with more dangerous spiders than the ones we have in Ireland. Um, but it's possible to get over it. I used to be terrified of centipedes. And then one year I made it my New Year's resolution to learn to love them. I started by looking very very closely at photographs of them. And when you look really close up at insects, you can see how beautiful they are. They're like shiny exoskeletons and their cute little faces. And then gradually like zoomed out so I could see the full thing. And by March that year, I was able to hold a centipede without shrieking. <laughs> so it is possible to get over your phobias and fears. But here's the thing, and, and this is what really makes me curious and why I wanted to talk to you today. You say that invertebrates can make a huge contribution to human healing. How come or how? Well, with my own personal experience, um, I find just finding insects, like going out into nature and searching for them and uh, learning about their different names, I find it very calming, very good for my mental health. Um, they also, uh, different invertebrates also play roles in medicine. So leeches are used, I think, to restore circulation mm. uh, in medical procedures and fly maggots for cleaning out infected wounds. But you've also got them um, playing roles in, um, well, for example, there's a prison in in the UK and prob- actually probably a few places here in Ireland that have that keep bees, mm. and the bees have um, a really good uh, how would I say it? like a kind of a good influence on the mental health of the incarcerated people in the prison. Um, the in the one in the UK, I heard that the the people in in the prison would go up to the beehive, but the bees would tell them when they're not in a good state of mind. So the bees would come out and sort of bop them in the head and warn them away. And then they would go away and uh, calm themselves down, maybe meditate um, and connect with themselves and then come back in a better headspace. And then the bees would allow them to to come. So kind of they help you to create um, an awareness of, of yourself, of how you're feeling. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I kept bees for a time myself. You certainly have to be calm in their presence because they do sense, they're very sensitive. They sense if you're not calm and they nearly, in a way, help you to become a, a calmer and a more collected person. That That is true. I, I knew about the leeches, of course, before, and, and the maggots have been used, of course, uh, in medical procedures too. So there are aspects of uh, these creatures that do contribute e- enormously. The, the other thing about you is that during the pandemic, you... Um, lived in two different communities, one in the city, in Dublin City itself, but you joined the cool eco-community in June 2020. You were with them for for, for nine months. What what did you get from that? Oh, that was an amazing experience. Um, I learned a lot about sort of 
um, regenerative ways of living. So they're, use, they're using a lot of permaculture uh, practices there. They're creating a food forest, which should um, be able to feed th- that small eco-community uh, for up to 100 years without any intervention once it gets going. Um, and it was also a good opportunity to... Um, to learn how to to learn better communication skills to live in community, and while I was there, I also did some mock surveys. So the community wanted to collect baseline data on the biodiversity that lives on the land, so they can see if the measures they're taking are improving the the ecosystem. So I did some moth trapping, and I'm still working on identifying them because I got thousands of photographs of moths. Um, and then hopefully they can compare that to another survey in a few years and see if what they're doing is benefiting nature. So that was cool in County Offaly near Fairbanna, and this community are there. And 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 it really thought you. I've been reading about it that you know that tight knit communities like this, in tune with nature, can solve. Uh, and you say it can solve the world's problems. But when you think of it, Nessa, when you think of capitalism or imperialism, or you know what I mean, consumerism, growth, expansion, this constant striving for all of this, how do you stop that juggernaut? Um, I think definitely focusing on ourselves and on our connection with nature has a big role to play, to play in that. So if you're living in a kind of self-sustaining community that's very connected to nature, uh, you can kind of remove yourself from this fast-paced system where uh, productivity is kind of the, the main um, goal and uh, and where you're constantly buying things to, to try to fill this void uh, that can actually be filled by the gifts that nature provides for us. I'm, the way I'm describing it is very kind of um, idealist, but but certainly I think that um, that remembering that nature provides everything that we need and as long as we only take uh, enough as opposed to too much, mm. um, that's a good start for getting us back to a, a sustainable way of living. Oh God, if that could only be adopted by more people and countries and and governments. You're right, it's a constant, and I don't understand it, I don't know how far this can be pushed, a constant striving for growth, expansion, productivity, this relentless, relentless stuff. I I, I don't know, honestly, where that is is going to end. And you're right, there is so much in nature if, if we look back towards it, but... I don't know. I don't know whether it can ever be reversed. But if we don't make an attempt like these communities you live with, it's never going to happen, is it? Um, well, I, I actually tend to think about the smaller things, the insects, rather than trying to grasp. <laughs> 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 but I actually think that's probably key. It's kind of like yes. on, uh, on our immediate surroundings, uh, focusing on the, yes. the beauty of nature around us and celebrating that so that we're... we're um, comfortable with what we have like we're we feel fulfilled with what we have already as Mm. opposed to seeking more back to the little things and the invertebrates you have it now that is the way that's a really good suggestion it really is bring it down to that level besides you know um, your studies and what you do because you do combine that's why you call yourself a creative entomologist entomology and the art side of things you are also involved with schools and, and giving workshops and working with children this is bringing them back to basics as well isn't it Absolutely, yes. So I'm part of the Heritage in Schools program and they send specialists in various areas of Irish heritage to primary schools. So I go to schools and take the kids out into the schoolyard or into a local wild area and teach them how to find and identify bugs. Um, And then I also do a kind of story, storytelling, singing, um, arts and crafts um, on, on the theme of the insects. And so it gives them the chance to kind of uh, form a personal relationship with the bugs. Like mm. I was saying, they'll, they'll come up with names for them or uh, create their own, imagine their own types of bugs and what yes. kind of adaptations those bugs would need to survive, that kind of thing. Mm, it's it's great. I love what you do. And I know the children do too. And you're working in the greater Dublin area. But I have to tell you, folks, if you're listening today and you're involved with children or a school or whatever, uh, Ness is available for Louder Mead if you're, if you're interested. And where would they find out more about you? Please tell us. Um, my website is nessadarcy.ie or you can go to the Heritage in Schools um, page to see how to book um, 
had a booker visit. Yes. Subsidised by the Heritage Council as well. Well done. Nessa Darcy is the website. Check it out there. I love what you do. I think you have it sussed. If more, as I said, more of us thought like yourself, well, this world would certainly be a more sustainable place and and better all round. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll talk to you down the road, I promise you. I enjoyed our chat. Me too. Thanks a million. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. She's great. Nessa Darcy. Check her website out. She's a wonderful woman. A young woman as well and um, great with children. Fantastic. And they love her when she takes them out on those forays when she visits schools and that. She's getting very positive vibes and feedback on that. When you're at late lunch on LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon, coming up after the break, I can't wait. It's our two on Tuesday. It's time for our Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm supposed to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Yes, Louise was complaining last week we weren't doing enough of the naughties when it came to Two on Tuesdays. Thanks to my buddy Eddie, he jumped in straight away with this one. Yes, we're going back to August 2006. In fact, the chart of the 5th of August 2006, this one hit number two. It won a Grammy Award for in 2007 for Best Female Vocal, but she just couldn't make the step up to the big number one. Yes, it's Christina Aguilera. It'd have to be a good one, wouldn't it? To keep that one off top spot. It's a cracker, isn't it? Ain't No Other Man by Christina Aguilera. Number two in the UK charts, August 2006. So what did keep it off top spot? Well, when I tell you, the number one was there for five weeks around that time. There was really no dislodging it for a month or more. It was number one in 18 countries, including the USA and the UK, which we look at each week. 13 million plus, that was a couple of years ago, it's even greater now, I'd say, in downloads, making it one of the best-selling singles of all time. One of the best-selling. Yes, poor Christina, Shakira was number one. Shakira, Shakira. I never really knew that she could dance like this. She make a man want to speak Spanish. Como se llama? Bonita. Shakira, Shakira. Oh, baby, when you talk like that, attention. Like this is perfection. No Shakira and the hips don't lie. Number one for five weeks back in the autumn of 2006. Keeping our two and Tuesday, Ain't No Other Man by Christina Aguilera off top spot. I like both of them. I can't choose between them, to be honest with you. But uh, Shakira is certainly the one that uh, sold 13 million plus, and it's way over that at this stage. Yes, that's your two and Tuesday, and the one that kept it off the top spot this Tuesday afternoon on your late lunch. Helen and James are in agreement with me. I think you're right, Jerry. Uh, Legalise the fireworks. There's little point in having uh, an illegality around them, uh, says Helen, because they're all over the place, and they were everywhere last night. My word, such a display, I say again, and noise. It wasn't... There wasn't much, I have to say, this year in the run up to Halloween. Far quieter, because they generally start September time round where I'm uh, living. But it didn't this year. And there was a few, say, early weekend this weekend. But last night, they must have been holding them all in reserve for last night because they left fly left, right and centre. And the rain, it's funny with the rain, when it rained heavy, it got quiet. Then when the rain cleared, whoop, away again and so on through the evening. And I have to say, the trick-or-treaters, I enjoyed them. We had a good few callers trick-or-treating last night and they were all dressed magnificently and with the little bags and collecting. Uh, I thought they were going to say trick-or-tweet this year rather than trick or treat I think that might change in future years trick or tweet that could be the new saying going forward the other thing over the weekend I just want to mention myself and Ava were away with the dog for a walk to our favourite spot and we picked up a few chestnuts now we're late in the year getting the chestnuts because the wind has howled the leaves are nearly all down and we really had to go looking for them on the ground under the leaves but we picked some some lovely ones as well 
but she'd never seen conkers or played conkers before. So home we went, made the whole... I'm sure you've done this, have you, in your lifetime? Have you played conkers? I'm sure you've played conkers, many of you listening to me today. Do you remember playing conkers? Have you played them in recent times? Anyway, you get the chestnuts, good-sized ones, drill a little hole down through the centre of them, then get your twine, pass it down through the hole, put a few knots in the bottom of it so as the twine doesn't come out of the conker, and you put them on a length of string, probably about a foot or 18 inches long, and you hold your conker, I hold my conker, and you bang, try and break it with your conker, and if you don't, I hold mine up, and you have a go at mine, and so on and so on, until you crack the conker. And you know the way the strings can tangle when you're playing conkers as well, I was showing her, you say, tangly's one, two, three, and, and then you get another go, whoever says it the fastest gets another go at the conkers. Anyway, I was teaching her and showing her how to play conkers, which we did years ago, and she was fascinated by it, and you know what? It's the simplicity. I say it again, talking to Nessa Darcy early on about getting back to basics. It's the simplicity of the conkers. Uh, and she has her conkers now and I showed her how to play it and she's trying to get a, get a real grasp of it now of how to play it. The thing about conkers as well, the idea was to have a conquer that smashed all comers, that yours became the king conquer. So you, if, you, if you broke a conquer, it'd be conquer one. If you, if you won another battle, you'd be Conquer 2 and so on. And you tried to get up as high as you can in the numbers. I think I had a Conquer 6 or 7 once that smashed 6 or 7 others. But that was the highest I got. And we used to be trying to make them tougher and harder. Because you know Conquers, they're soft enough when you get them. And certainly soft on the inside. And we used to be soaking them in this, that and the other to make the chestnuts harder so you'd win the battles. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure people think I'm rambling here this afternoon. But perhaps there are some people out there know what I'm talking about and played conkers and perhaps played them with their children and grandchildren. Yes, uh, it's getting back to normal, thank God. And Fighting Blindness are an admirable organisation and they're hosting their first in-person conference for people with sight loss in three years. It's taking place this Saturday at the Radisson Blue Royal Hotel on Golden Lane in Dublin. And we're going to talk about sight and sight loss and caring for a sight for the next while on the show in the company of Dr Ellen Moore, who's Research Manager with Fighting Blindness, and from County Mead, Gillian Stafford, who lost her sight due to retinitis pigmentosa. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for having us. Not at all. You're very welcome. Um, that's Ellen that I have it with me, is it? It is, yes. Ellen. Yeah, yeah. Ellen, how are you? Thanks for join, Thank you. joining me on the show. We're just getting Gillian now and we'll have her on the line with us. OK, so the conference is back. But would you talk to me then about our eye health and better eye health and care, please. What are the important things to uh, pay attention to? Sure, Jerry. Well, we put together um, kind of our top seven tips for better eye health. So I'll run through them quickly. Um, so the first one is feast for the eyes. We all know, like, you know, a healthy diet full of nutrients is very good for health. In particular, it's very good. It can help maintain our eye health. So, you know, nice nutrient-rich foods such as leafy green vegetables, um, coloured fruits such as berries, and, like, fish to plenty of omega-3 fatty acids such as salmon and mackerel. Number two is easy in the eye. Um, regular exercise can help reduce eye pressure and keep blood flowing to the nerves. If some intense activities can increase it maybe a bit too quickly. So um, an example is recommended that moderate activities are walking or jogging a couple of times a week. But we'd always stress to talk to your doctor about what's the most important exercise mm. program for you as an individual. Now, you know, when you say that, isn't that a funny thing that we wouldn't associate, you know what I mean, a good diet, uh, exercise, it, it's mentioned in the context of lots of other things, but nobody would connect that, to be honest with you, Ellen, with eyesight. No, I think it's one of those just things, it's just kind of, it's so straightforward, people just kind of forget about it and overlook it, you know, just it's common sense. Yeah, okay. And the other thing, go on, continue through them there. That's true, you have seven. Go on. Yes, yeah, so number three, eagle eye. Um, just, you, you know, you can set up your um, reminders on your phone or your watch to help you remember to take your eye medications on schedule and the correct dosage. Um, this is going to help you benefit fully from a therapy and prevent your eye condition from getting worse. Um, also, making sure to take, you know, take your medication as prescribed and having a chat with your doctor, maybe see your medication re- regime needs to be changed or tweaked. So that's for somebody who needs care and needs medical care at the moment just to uh, to make sure that you keep up the regime. Yes, that's it, yes. Now, the next one I know is very important because I'm a devil for myself when I'm out in the garden, you know, pulling at things or maybe cutting hedges or that. I don't protect my eyes, even though I wear glasses. Glasses are not enough, are they? 
I think for for certain um, activities, you know, your DI work it is it is recommended to take um, to wear protective eyewear on top of your glasses. Right. Obviously, the glasses are going to help some. Um, so, it's, but obviously, if you're working with power tools and um, the garden, if you can get a, um, a set of gla- uh, proper protection glasses in the DIY store, that'd be great. And mm. um, so, just yeah, just it's protecting your eyes from injury, and also as well too, like if you're out in the garden as well too in the, the summer, to wear good quality polarized sunglasses, being that they protect against the sun's harmful rays, mm. and also if anyone um, who uses um, make making sure you're trying to use anti-allergic products and also um, if you're using any products in your eye make sure to change them regularly Okay, next one, number five Five, um, smoke gets in your eyes so um, you know, smoking isn't, isn't great for your health um, it's known to raise blood pressure and also can uh, cause eye inflammation so this increases the risk of developing several eye conditions um, so it's strongly encouraged people who smoke to talk to their doctor about the sports that are available to help quit, you know, it's never too late to give up smoking. Um, then number six, don't turn a blind eye. You know, um, prevention is always better than cure. So if people have a family history of a particular eye condition that places them at risk, um, you know, it's really important to talk to your doctor about, you know, how often you should have eye exams. Because um, if treated, if identified in the early stages, blindness can be prevented in some eye conditions. And the regular eye test, it can also identify other health issues such as high blood pressure and diabetes. Mm, uh, that's a imp- very important uh, point to make. And finally, in terms of eye care? So number, uh, finally, number seven in your mind's eye. So vision loss, it can seriously affect a person's mental health and it's really important to try and, uh, try and stay connected with your social networks as much as possible. And I've seen you know, t- technology is widely available to help people keep in touch with their loved ones and their community, even say if they're living in a remote area. And obviously, it's something we've adapted to in the past couple of years with, with the COVID restrictions. Um, and receiving a diagnosis can be very overwhelming for anyone, but it's not a journey you have to make alone. Um, so for um, the support services that we offer Fighting Blindness, we'd um, encourage people to visit fightingblindness.ie, who's a section on support services, or if they um, would like to um, to come along to the conference next Saturday or to watch it online and hear more about those. Okay, great. Stay there with me for a moment because uh, we have Gillian Stafford, also from County Mead, on the line. Hello, Gillian. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on Late Lunch today. Now, I mentioned in the introduction, you live with retinitis pigmentosa. You you could see in your lifetime and lost your sight. Tell us your story. Yeah, so up until the age of 17, I had a normal sight. And my sister then went to get, um, went for an appointment to get contact lenses because she was running wearing glasses with the rain. And when she went to get tested, they found something, um, which was retinitis pigmentosa. And then us as a family were brought in for testing. Um, the only kind of signs that I had going up to that was that I just, I couldn't read small print and I couldn't see in the dark at night. They were kind of only my, kind of the flags that something wasn't quite right with my sight um, from when I was a young child up until the age of 17. So your sister, you know, was the one that alerted, um, you know, medical people and eye people to your potential problems in the family. So everybody was tested. You, I take it you, you you were tested then. I was tested then, yeah, and then they they told me then when I was seventeen that um, I had it as well. So in the family. And when you're given news like that, it's. A real shock to the system, you know, Gillian, to hear this and that. Did you know that you were, have you have you total sight loss now? No, I have no um, side vision. So if someone comes up on, on my side, I can't see. Okay. And I have about 10 to 15% of my central vision left at the moment. Well, that's small. Now, I don't know when that's going to go. It could go tomorrow, it could go in a couple of years. Yeah. We just don't know at the moment. So mm. I'm just trying to live my life with the sight that I have at the moment. It's not a lot. It's a small percentage compared to normal sight, isn't it? It's very small, yeah. So it's like it's the best way to describe it to people would be that if they put if they did their finger on their thumb and they see that little circle, that is what I am seeing through at the moment. So it's like it's like a tunnel that I see through. I'm doing that here. It's small, isn't it? I'm doing yeah, that myself, small, yeah. just as you described there, and I can actually see. So no peripheral vision, limited uh, straight on, on as well. Mm-hmm. W- yeah. What has it meant? You know, what have you had to do? You know, what a huge adjustments has it meant to you in your life? So I suppose the biggest adjustments was that when I was diagnosed, it was my leave in search year. So I went to college, but I didn't know what I wanted to do because I got my diagnosis. 
So I suppose the biggest adjustment I had to do was I had to readjust my life and then I had to go back to college later on in life. Mm. Um, I've had to get an awful, awful lot of support in college. Um, I rely an awful lot on my family because there's certain things that I can't do and if I want to leave the house, I know I need somebody with me at the moment because the winter months are coming now so I know I can't be out, out of the house after four o'clock in the afternoon if I'm on my own because I can't see. So I have to make sure that there's somebody here at home to bring me somewhere if I need to go there. So it's adjustments like that. It's knowing what, I, what my limits are and what I can do and then if I can't do that, I've, I've learned over the years is to ask for the help that I need and everyone's willing to help you. Mm. Well done in your further studies because you have a degree in social science and a master's in social policy. So you're a well qualified uh, young woman, I have to say. Um, Thank you. Uh, uh, limitations. What about your social life and, and social network? Is that confined because of this? It is confined because of this because when I was younger, I didn't know what was going on. So I didn't really mix with people when I was younger. So um, I find it very hard because when people hear that you have a sight loss or they don't know of a condition that you have, they kind of back away from you. So it, it has been hard. I have a few friends that I kind of mix it, but I don't have a big social um, set of friends. Hmm. I kind of get my social kind of items with the groups that are with sight and blindness that I attend. Yeah. So that kind of keeps me hmm. going um, on a weekly basis. And work-wise, I'm sure it's been difficult to find employment. Or What's the story with, with that end of things? Um, the story with that end of things is that it's very hard. I um, have the qualifications mm. to do the job, but I don't have the work experience if I apply for a job. And then also if a company hears about the technology side of things, they have to get a grant for it. So sometimes that can put an employer off that I could sit in front of them I have everything that they need, but if they hear they have to go and apply to the government for grants yeah. or I need um, help in getting around the building and that, it puts some employers off. So it has been very, very hard to get employment. And it is one thing I would love to do is to get out and use my skills in employment, but unfortunately, it just hasn't happened yet. Shouldn't be so. Shouldn't be so, Gillian, to be honest with you, you know. And and, and I know, I, I, and we hear what you're saying, but there should be the assists and the supports in place. I'm going to go back to Ellen and that in a moment. Just one thing before uh, I go back to Ellen. Are you still hopeful that, you know, with all the research that's going on and the advances with sight in the world, that your situation can be improved in the future? Um, I'm hopeful, but I'm more hopeful for the people who are coming up behind me. Okay. Because when I was diagnosed, I was told within 10 years there could be a cure for it. And I've been living with this for over 20 years. So it's, I, am imp- like, I am grateful for fighting blindness and all that they're doing. But I don't think it's going to be maybe for, for me, but I'm sure it'll be for the younger people who are getting diagnosed and coming up behind me. And I think it'll be great for them. Oh, I hope it's for you. Thank you. I, I really hope so do. too, but yeah. we just don't know. Yes, of course. But you always have to be hopeful and be positive. And I, I, I hear that in your voice that you are. Let me go back to Ellen. Stay there a second. When you hear that, Ellen, you know, and you are, of course, just reminding listeners again, a research manager with fighting blindness and the employment, you know, obstacles and difficulties. It's sad to hear that, isn't it? Can, can, can you, you know, make progress there, do you believe? Your organisation, are you lobbying there? That is something that Jerry we would, um, you know, and Dillian's um, experience is, is not unusual. You know, um, for a person um, losing their sight, it's 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 a huge huge impediment to their life, and it's you know, and a lot of people have had to give up work, and it is something that ourselves and other um, vision support organisations in Ireland we would regularly uh, lobby for change in that area and for, for support for, for people with vision loss to be able to continue their lives and you know c- contribute to society. Mm. And and as well I take from it when she talks about our social network there it is confined to like people who have sight difficulties shouldn't be so either. No I think it just it's um our our members um the fighting blindness membership I think they've um they've shown um great strength and resilience the past couple of years with the covid pandemic. Um our support groups actually expanded as a result of covid. Mm. Um before COVID, a number of them were actually, you know, they, they were generally run face to face, but they've increased in size because and, and people, um, they are, are 
our community adapted and they, they learned how to use Zoom. And like now we've now more more support groups than ever ever that take place on Zoom. But obviously it's fantastic now. We you know we the conference coming up on Friday and people get to meet up in person and you know to exchange stories and exchange information. So in a way, there's been some benefit from the COVID thing uh, when you mentioned Zoom in particular and, and other aspects that have come forward and helped as well. Have you found that, uh, Gillian? I have because it, it's been great because you could be going through something that maybe your family don't understand and you can get onto a call or into the group. And if you say, I'm experiencing this, then others may have gone through it or they kind of have a listening ear and they have been through it themselves. So I found some days if I've been really struggling that if I say, well, I'm not having a great day and I have a chat with them, by the time I've come off the call, I feel much better for us. Mm. And the other thing I'm thinking about work, I know you want to get into the work environment, but a lot of the work environment is at home now, so you could work well in the new arrangement. Do you know what I'm saying? I do, yes, yeah. And I'm like, I'm well used to uh, using Zoom and that because... I do an awful lot of voluntary work with different organisations around advocacy work. So I do a lot of that on Zoom and on computers. So I'm well adversed in, in computer skills. Mm. Come on, there must be somebody out there today. What area would you like to work in, by the way? Does it have to be along the lines of your qualifications or are you open to anything really? Um, I'm open to anything, but I would really like to get into advocacy work or something around speaking for people with disabilities that yes. don't have their voice because... I know for years I was a very quiet person and couldn't speak up for myself. So I'm very passionate about using my skills and my voice to work in areas that I can speak for people with disabilities that maybe don't have the voice or don't have the confidence to speak up for what they need. You've come a long way. I have come a very long way, yes, You have. You you sound very confident to me, to be honest with you. She's great, isn't she? She's a great, uh, great, uh, what would I say, representative for you, Ellen. She is, yes, and we're delighted to have Gillian as one of our ambassadors. Yes, yeah, that's what I was going to say, an ambassador. That's the word I was actually uh, looking for. So just remind us again, the conference is on this Saturday, the 5th of November. Uh, is it open to anybody to register for the online or if they want to go in person, Ellen? That, that's right, Jerry. So if people, um, if they'd like to um, attend in person um, or to um, or to attend virtually, um, they go to our website, fightingblindness.ie, so they can register to, um, to watch it virtually. And we'll also be streaming as well too on our Facebook and YouTube channels as well too. And uh, just a final word for me to employers or anyone listening today, Gillian Stafford is available to advocate on on behalf of anybody or anything and she's ready, willing and able today. Gillian, thank you for joining me and telling your story. You're very welcome, thank you. And Dr Ellen Moore, Research Manager with Fighting Blindness, thank you too. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Take care of yourselves. And that conference is on again Saturday. And if you check it out on fightingblindness.ie, all the information is there. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Conquers Jerry, you're bringing me back. Loved it, says Oliver as a child. Jim is there as well. Our Jerry, the old string, the knot, the chestnuts, the crack. Thanks so much. Yes, it's memories, memories indeed. Conquer playing of yesteryear, but it's still there today for anyone who wants to try it. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Yes, it's time for my Artist of the Week this week. And when I tell you he was born in Glasgow on October 7th, 1996. He's of Scottish, Irish and Italian ancestry. What a fantastic mix that is. The youngest of four children. Yes, Louis Capaldi is my Artist of the Week. And he sang publicly for the first time when he was aged just four on a family trip to France. Imagine four and him belting it out. He took up the car, the uh, guitar then when he was nine and he was soon writing his own songs and playing gigs, listen to this, in pubs ably assisted by his older brother. He was smuggling them in, but he was good and they wanted him. He was discovered, you know, by accident when a recording on an iPhone was uploaded to his SoundCloud account and picked up by Ryan Walter, a USA-based manager of musical talent. Capaldi was singing and playing in his bedroom and so impressed was Walter that he jumped on a plane the next day, flew from America to the UK and got Capaldi to play live for him. And again, well, it was a match made in heaven. 
They agreed terms, signed up, and he became the singer's manager. He was only 18 at this stage, but he saw the talent and potential. It was quite obvious. However, Capaldi himself continued with his studies, graduating with a higher diploma in music in 2016, while working on material for his career launch, which happened the next year in 2017, when he released his first EP called Bloom. So let's begin our listen to Lewis Capaldi, my Artist of the Week, with this one from the extended edition of his debut album. The album was called Divinely Uninspired to a hellish extent. I love the name. Yes, it's the hit single. So, before you go Was there something I could have said to make your heart beat Ah, Lewis Capaldi, isn't he just something else? He's my artist of the week this week on Late Lunch. What a talent. He's only a young fella. What's the come from that fella down the road in terms of music, etc.? Oh, the anticipation. That song was uh, number one, is uh, second number one in the UK in January 2020. And I'll bring you more about Lewis Capaldi in words and song on Late Lunch round about this time tomorrow afternoon. My final guest today on Late Lunch is CEO of Neighbourhood Network. And he's going to talk to me now about the Mead Community Time Machine Project. I'm delighted to say hello to Sam Bishop. Will you explain to our listeners in LMFM uh, land what the Mead Community Time Machine Project, it sounds very space-like, is all about. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, thanks for having me on. Listen, um, people might have know of us because we run uh, projects like Street Feast, um, which is like a, a national day of street parties. And we've, we've run it right the way across Mead um, over the last few years. And so uh, when COVID hit, we were a bit struck for things to do. We were like, okay, well, you can't be getting people out to be sharing food together on their streets. Uh, it, just, it wasn't a done thing, you know? So, um, but we really wanted to connect the residents and people that we'd usually work with right across the county. So we invited people to, um, basically, it was, it was a kind of a time capsule project where you interview your neighbours, people nearby. Um, what we did was we invited teenagers to uh, reach out to their older neighbours um, because people were people were getting kind of isolated, but they also were kind of just only spending time with their with their own age group, really. Um, and this was an opportunity to kind of go, okay, well, maybe once the lockdown is lifted, that we could get people to um, they, they'd recognise a few more people around them. They'd recognise the teenagers who were down the road there, um, and it would get it would get people talking. So. Um, uh, we got quite a few um, applicants across the county, and um, the the key kind of areas that took part were in Trim and also over in Laytown, Mornington. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was beautiful because it basically meant that you had these um, teenagers basically interviewing um, their like close neighbours, um, getting to know what they were all about, and then we would send around a photographer to um, to take their photo. So it was, a, it was a really beautiful little project that, that took place over the last two years. And you used the COVID time, did you, to make these connections or did you wait till, you know, we emerge from the lockdowns and that and actually people could get together face to face? It actually started during lockdown. It was, okay. It was kind of, a, yeah, um, you know, obviously we, we never really knew when it was going to lift. Oh, kind of yes. Stuff. So, um it's hard to even recall what it was like, but um, so no, these were these were interviews that, that were held um, over Zoom, or they were held in the garden, okay. or you know, people didn't yes. go inside the yes, houses. Yes, yes, you know, yes. Kind of but, yeah. um, and, and and it depended on the different stages of lockdown, I suppose. But ultimately, they um, they 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 produced these interviews, um, and then from that, the teenagers um, did a kind of creative response. So some of them mm. uh, would have drawn a picture in response to the interview. Um, others might have baked a cake or, or made a, a kind of a bird box or something that was a, a response to something that came up in the interview. I see. Um, so it was, a, it was a way of like collective learning, of storytelling, um, of, of getting to know your, your area a bit more, but also to get, get to know your neighbours. And I suppose that's the work that we do in Neighbourhood Network is we, we think there's um, a real value in 
getting neighbours to kind of connect a bit more. Do you of know? course, you are so yeah. right because we go in and close our doors and we don't really bother with people around us. It's the way exactly. Ireland has changed and we weren't like yeah. that. We're not a people like that at all. Let me ask you this. Was it a one-way street? Was it more... You, I hear what you're saying there. Was it the uh, the more experienced senior generation passing on things to the younger people who then acted upon it or was it the other way around as well that the senior people took some things from their conversation and implemented those? I, I, I think, you know, it wasn't as if there was like for like. You're right. And obviously every okay. relationship was different. Yes. But I think that there was like, for whatever, the, with these kinds of projects, the more you give, the more you get out of it. You yeah, know what I mean? True. And, and um, the, the, I suppose the, the beauty of it was that you, even if you felt like you were being interviewed and you had to give mm. your time, you, you kind of, you definitely got something out of it. Um, uh, when we sent around the professional photographer to take the portraits of the older generation, um, that was another opportunity for them to tell their story and to record it somewhere. So all of that now has been, like, the the interview, the the um, creative response, the portraits, photos mm. of the old people, mm. they're all now stored in a, in a, a time capsule that's being um, kept in the community. Um, and that means that, you know, down 10 years down the line, we'll be able to um, check those out. But not only that, they're also being stored online. So we're launching this um, kind of um, archive, online archive of yes. all these um, interviews and photos. And, and there's some, just some beautiful responses, really. So they're all on the website. And it's 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 an opportunity to kind of to record people, but also to um, just kind of see the diversity of people across the county. It's, it's really special to, to see it. Yeah, and that's why you're with me today. Some of the comments, I, I've been in there this morning rooting around myself with a view to you uh, joining me on the show today. Just a couple of samples. And they're only quotes from some of the people yeah. who partook, like Jerry O'Connor over in Trim Direction. He, he says, reading poetry, music and football brought me joy through the lockdown. Malachy Jenkins, I remember sunny days walking on the Boyne. John Loud says, don't be in such a rush. Take time to enjoy what's around you. Try to be more tolerant. You know what I mean? Lovely little nuggets like this, you know, of wisdom. Uh, that and that's only I'm only really scratching the the surface with it. To be honest with you, who was your photographer? So um, the photographer was Emma O'Brien. Yes, um, yeah. So she, and she got, she really got into it. Um, we, we it's actually a project that we um, we trialed it in Wicklow, um, and it seemed to work really well. Um, so then it, it kind of expanded from there so mm. Mead was the second one but since then since since we ran it in Mead we've actually run it in a bunch of different counties I see that the, yeah it's it's taken yeah. off yeah really uh, you know it's, it's really taken legs and this will be countrywide I'm sure shortly I have to wrap up tell us tell us again where people can look at this lovely resource online please yeah you can you can find it by going to Time Machine neighbourhoodnetwork.ie There you go. Sam, you're doing good. Continue to do it. <laughs> Thanks for joining <laughs> Thanks me on the me show. On, right. Take yeah. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Sam Bishop there for CEO of Neighbourhood Network. Love that project and it's there for posterity. Coming up on Late Lunch tomorrow, pregnant and single in 90s, 1980s Ireland. Whisked away, mammy, baby and all. We have the story. Dr. Kate McCann is with us about uh, men and their mental health. That's me and you guys and our mental health. Wild swimming, uh, blankets for the Ukraine and more besides coming your way from 1.30 on Wednesday. Eddie Caffrey is coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. Big thanks to Brian Farley who guided me safely through this afternoon and we're leaving you in the company of Mr. Tom Grennan. And a little bit of love. There's always love on Late Lunch for you. See you tomorrow, 1.30. I've holding on to pieces Swimming in the deep end Trying to find my way back to you Cause I need LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.